But um, good morning. Welcome to uh, Kingdom Living. <laughs> um, so I'm glad to thank you, Pastor Dwayne, for this, this time and just this privilege of speaking before you guys. Um, I hope you guys get something from this word today. Amen? Amen. All right, so today we're going to talk about the rested servant. I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of catchy, the title. And I liked the image, so I was like, all right, maybe this, maybe this will go. But um, of knowing, everybody knows uh, our pastor, Pastor Dwayne. He likes to give us books. So this is one book that he, uh, he recommended, and it's called um, Serving Without Sinking by John Hendley. Um, so I got a lot of this message from this book and, you know, from scriptures and studying both of them. So if you want to, if you're interested in this message, I would, under, I would recommend you reading this book. Um, it's really interesting in how we serve Christ and keep our joy and, um, and so forth. Amen? So if you want to write it down, I don't think we have it, but um, I got it on iBooks. So it was, it was iBooks for maybe $7, $8 maybe. Amen? So let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 11. If you got it, say amen. Amen. This is like the first weekend of the, of the year, well, in a while, where there's no weddings or birthday showers, or birthday parties or showers. So we are officially in fall, I guess, huh? We're out of summer. <laughs> um, so Matthew chapter 11. Everybody's there, right? All right, so we start at verse 28. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, this is a very familiar passage. I'm pretty sure a lot of us that's been raised in church and um, been in church for a number of years, we've heard this passage a number of times. Um, and here in the first part, we see that Jesus is promising us rest for the weary. Um, how many of us have ever been weary? <laughs> uh, you know, weariness is when you're labored hard at a certain top, a certain um, project, an unending task, and it's never going to get done. You know, weariness is where good health is a faint memory. You know, I don't know. Some of us have aches in our bodies, aches in our backs, aches in, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm waking up with different aches. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> you know, I'm seeing different things. I'm like, this is uh, different. Um, so, uh, you know, so weariness is when you can't remember the last time you've been pain-free, you know? Um, I know some I have family members going through cancer and going through chemo and going through these things, and it's like, you know, that's what weariness is, right? Like, we don't see the end of things. Um, weariness is also having long days um, to come home and to prepare to do it all again. Um, I don't know. I, you know, we work jobs, we work nine to five, we travel, we go through traffic, we come home, we take care of kids. Not Alan. <laughs> uh, you know, we, uh, we take care of different things. Uh, we have chores, we have house duties, we have everything. Um, but then we wake up and we do it all again, and sometimes it gets a little tiring, right? Um, weariness is also coming to church because we're supposed to, um, but knowing we'd rather be somewhere else. You know, there's Sunday is a big brunch day, and as Christians, we miss brunch, right? We don't get, <laughs> we don't get brunch as Christians. Like, I, I, we could be at brunch right now, but we are, we are Christian. It's like that meme. Um, <laughs> you know, so we'll, if we're honest with, self, honest with ourselves, we often don't feel like this passage applies to us 
as believers. Um, if we look around, we don't seem that we have a more, more restful life than non-believers. Um, non-believers are able, able to sleep in on Sundays, right? They can wake up at 10 o'clock. We can't. Alan is getting storage at nine or 8, 9 o'clock, and PD's doing this, and we're doing that, and so forth. So it seems like we're not able, we don't seem more rested, right, as Christians. Um, our jobs are just hard. Relationships are hard as, as also as hard as non-believers. We experience illness. We experience death. We experience all this pain. So it seems like maybe Christ was exaggerating on this, on this passage, right? Um, it may even seem more burdensome. Um, the world does not have to worry about our choir practice and studying for preaching. And, you know, all these things that seem more burdensome. So it seems like Christ is saying, okay, come to me. I'll give you rest. But I'll give you mad work, too, at the same time. <laughs> you know, like, like it's kind of contradictory, right? Um, <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a quote from the book that I want to read. It says, uh, Jesus calls us to be holy, to tell the whole world about him, to love our fellow Christians and our neighbors. He tells us to give our money, our time, efforts, and hopes to him in his service. It just doesn't feel as if he meant it when he promises to, re- promises to remove our burdens and give us rest. It feels as though he piles on a few more burdens onto our shoulders. Amen. Does, does anybody ever feel like that? <laughs> right? Um, but in this passage, we see that Christ, he promises us to give us rest. In verse 28, come to me, all you, are labor, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he also promises, us, promises in 29 and 30, um, to take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he gives us rest and yoke and burden at the same time. Seems kind of contradictory, right? But let's examine how we are. Um, so it's either, we, it's either we got it wrong or Christ in his passage is lying about giving us rest. So we need to look at how we are viewing our work how we are viewing our service, how we are viewing those things towards, uh, how we are viewing those things. Amen? Um, So we need to examine how we are viewing our service as Christians. So we have a couple of scriptures where we have examples of people um, in the scriptures showing, giving service um, to God and how it should impact how we view our service. Amen? So the first part is uh, we have, The wrong view of God. Uh, Let's turn to Luke chapter 18. Is everybody there? Luke chapter 18, verse 9. So you got it? If you got it, say, I got it. All right, so verse 9, it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, and they were righteous, and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. 
But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to this house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but, who, but the one who ex- humbles himself will be exalted. So as we all know as believers, it's been in church for a while. We know that in scriptures, tax collectors are also always, are usually viewed as you know, worldly people, right? They usually roll at con men as people that are, are swindlers, um, whereas the Pharisees in this time were, were viewed as religious leaders. They were viewed as the people that, that got it, you know, that, that, that were righteous, that, were, that, understand, that understood the law um, and culture. So here we see a, a very diff, different contrast in how these two men approach God. Um, one, the tax collector, oh, one, the, the Pharisee goes up to God and he's trying to prove himself to God, right? He's trying to prove himself, say, God, I'm not like these tax collectors. I'm not like the unjust people. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not this. I'm not that. And where the contrast is the tax collector realizes that, I'm, you know, he just comes to God being honest, being open, being humble, saying, I'm, just, I'm a sinner, Lord. And Christ says that the tax collector went home justified that day. So here we see that God does not like good people or what we understand as good people. Um, what we view as the world, the world, you know, I hear this often, like, oh, he's a good person, he's, a good, he's good people, he's good this. But God does not, does not care of our, worldly, of our cultural standards of good or, or bad, all right? We cannot serve God um, with the view that our works makes us righteous. And that's what the Pharisee was doing. The Pharisee was coming up and saying, hey, God, you know, I did all, this th- all these things, and, you know, I did this, I, did, I do this, I do this. But God says, no, your works do not justify you, right? Um, where the tax collector kind of got, this, kinda got this, this understanding that maybe he didn't have no works to justify him anyway, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's like, he understands, like, I don't have works to justify me. So anyway, I'm a sinner, please, you know, and he's coming to God humble. So Christ is saying that he's, your works does not justify you. Your works cannot justify you. So your status of good, of good your status of righteous does not make you actually righteous. Another quote is from the book. It says, serving Jesus to become good enough for him might sound noble. In fact, it is futile. Amen? Let's, let's go to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 25. It's um, another familiar passage of the prodigal son. We know that the... Um, um, Luke chapter 15, uh, verse 25, right? Uh, the wrong scripture, wrong scripture, right? <laughs> uh, oh, oh, yeah, it's right scripture, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll look at the wrong chapter. Uh, so there was a man with two sons, and um, I guess he was a fairly well-off man because he had servants and, and, all this, and all this land and property. So he had two sons, one, the, the younger one, um, got kind of tired of living at home, as we all do at one point. Got tired of living at home, say, hey, hey, I want all my inheritance now, and I'm going to go out and live my life. So the younger son goes out. Um, he lives his life. He turns it up. He turns up. 
Um, and then he ends up losing it all and eventually he comes back and the father welcomes him um, with a party. And that's where we, we continue here. Um, so in verse 25, here we see, here we're looking at the older son in this prodigal son story. So he says, now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of, his, one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received them back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when, his, when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your, bro your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So here we also, here we, if you look at the story, we, we can look at the view of the, pro, of the older son as the good one, right? So it's the, you have the good and the bad son. And the older son is home, he's working, he's working on the father's property, he's working on the father's business, and he's, he, you know, he's doing these great things, and, um, and he's sticking with his father, right? He's, he's like, I'm not going to be like my younger brother. I'm going to stick around, I'm going to do whatever I need to do. But here, if we look further down in Scripture, he kind of gets jealous, and he's like, hey, Dad, I never got a goat. You know, like, out of everything, why would you want a goat? But whatever. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, it's like us in today's days. Like, if, if your father gives a one sibling a, a new car. Um, I remember when I was younger, um, my sister got a car. I think she was maybe 19. So at the time I come 19, I'm like, you know, can I get a car too? <laughs> no, I had, to, I had to borrow her car. But, um, you know, so it's the, it's the same principle. Like, he's like, hey, props, why didn't I get, why didn't I get a goat? Um, so what we see from this, from the older son and even the younger son, they both did not love their father. They both wanted the father's gifts, right? The older son, in the same vein, he went about it a little different, um, a little different perspective. He had a little different perspective. He wanted his father to owe him this gift, right? So he wanted a, a paycheck from his dad. He did not want his father, he wasn't hanging out in the field, he wasn't doing all this work so he can, you know, be with his father so he can love his father. He was doing all this work so at the end of the day, his father can give him a goat and he can, he can feel satisfied and say, you know what, I earned this goat, right? So they both wanted the father's gifts. The older brother wants a goat and a party just like his younger brother did. Um, but he wants, he wants to earn it. But we think, like, you know, maybe he earned it, right? <laughs> like, he's sticking, he's sticking around. Maybe he earned, earned his goat. But... His, but he wants to feel like he earned it. In turn, this diminishes the father's love for him, right? It diminishes that a father, a father is not going to, um, the father's not going to celebrate his son because he earns it. He's going to celebrate his son and give, his, give gifts to his son because he loves him, right? So as God, he does not, he's not, we can't earn gifts from God. We don't, God does not want us to feel like we are, we have to earn his love, that we have to earn his, um, 
his, his, his approval, but he's more concerned about our love for him. Um, of course, Jesus is pleased when we do what he asks because we love him, but it is, it is his love he most cares about, not, not the service. Um, this is very simple, you know. Um, as a father and his son, you can't earn your father's love. He, you have, the love is freely given and freely earned. Amen? Amen. Um, in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, it says, everything does not come from faith is sin. So everything does not, does not come from um, our affection and our belief and our trust in God is sin. Right? So if we're earning, if we're longing for the gifts of God, if we're doing our service, if we're coming to church and we're setting up so that God can show us favor in other areas, then we are in sin. Amen? Amen. Um, our service should, not come, should come from our love not to earn his gifts or to repay God. So in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, let's jump there. First Corinthians chapter 13, and we'll read verse 1 through 3. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a changling symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but not love, I gain nothing. If we think... We, if we think our service, we should, we should base our service on our love and our affection of God. If we're able to prophesy and deliver people and give gifts and do all these things, but in our hearts we know that we're not doing it out of love and we're doing it to earn the favor of God and we're doing it to earn something from God, then we, are, we need to check ourselves. Amen? So the first thing is that we have a wrong view of God. We think that we can earn God's favor. We think we can by our service. So when we are doing things in church, whether at home or at work and so forth, we should do it out of love and do it out of, out of affection for our Father. Amen? Amen? So the next point is that we have um, a wrong view of others. Let's jump to Matthew chapter 6. If you got it, say amen. amen. Um, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Once we get to doing good in order for our goodness to be noticed, we are letting other people's opinion of us define us. If our church leaders, our Christian friends, our family members, or our work colleagues tell us that we are good, then we are. Um, we need to check ourselves to see if we are serving for others' approval, whether in church, school, work, or home. We should not, um, when we do our service and when we are, are 
giving our gifts and giving our talents and everything that we do in life, we should do it to please God and do it out of love for even others and for God. So if I am cleaning up the house, I'm not doing it um, so that my wife will let me go to the gym later, you know? <laughs> or my wife won't let me uh, take off, or I'm not doing it so that she can, so I can be praised, right? So I'm not up here preaching, well, at least I don't, that's not my desire that I'm up here to be preaching and say, hey, Cleve, you did a great word today, and, and oh, you're a great man. And, you know, a lot of people do that, right? Yeah. I even, I even at a time at work, even this week, and I felt terrible about it. Not really that bad, but it, it's very, like, cultural in, in my industry. So once you, do, once you fix something or look at something, you have to sound the alarm and let everybody know that you just fixed something, right? So I don't ever do it. I never do it. But Friday, I discovered something. And as my boss was working in the room, I was like, hey, hey, look what I did. Look what I did, right? And then afterwards, I felt so like, like an idiot. I'm like, why? Like, no, he doesn't really care. Like, but it's, it's, it's that mentality that you have to be recognized. Like, I could just do it and without the recognition, just do it to help the company, help the industry, help the business. But I wanted to be recognized in that one moment, right? And it just was like a moment of like, I don't know, weakness, I guess. <laughs> Where I just didn't, I wanted to be noticed and I wanted somebody to recognize that, hey, I did something great today. Um, but this attitude, when it comes to Christian service, it turns it into competition. So I'm competing with my brothers and my sisters and to be noticed by the pastor. I remember even growing up in, in the church I was in, um, there was a lot of that, right? Like, it's like, hey, and, and it's like you work late and you work late, you just gotta make sure the pastor recognizes that you're working late and you're cleaning up and you're doing this and you're, um, so people re realize, hey, that, that person's a great guy, you know? And um, so we don't want to work and do our service for that. That turns it into competition. That turns out, that gives us, that, that brings misery to our service. Um, <clears throat> serving is not a competition. It's a sacrificial and out of love. Um, so think about it. Whenever you're, you are serving, whenever you are giving, whenever you are doing anything, whether in KLM or other, other where, I mean other places, um, think to yourself, would I do this thing if I knew that no one other than me and God would ever know that I'd done it? You know, If you can do something and nobody ever finds out, that's when you know it's worth doing. And that's when you know that in your heart that you realize that I'm doing it out of love for God, I'm doing it out of love for others. So, if you never get, nobody ever pats you in the back, if nobody ever says, hey, you're doing a great job, thank you for sacrificing, you know you're doing it out of affection and out of love for God and, out of, and love for other people. Amen? Amen. Um, <clears throat> the next thing is that we have a wrong view of ourselves. Um, let's jump back to Luke chapter 10. This is probably the part that like um, spoke to me the most. <laughs> Maybe I have a wrong view of myself. Um, you know, how do we, how do we, maybe we are serving um, to be needed. That's another, another thing that we can talk about. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, now as they went on their way, 
Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Um, this is a very interesting um, passage of scripture to me. Um, a lot of times, we would, in a lot of cultures, Martha would be in the right, right? Like if you had a noble person come over to the house, like you're supposed to run around the house, make sure everything is tidy, make sure the food is warm, and make sure everything is going according to plan. Um, but Christ here in the last portion, in the last part of the scripture, he says, um, Mary has chosen a good portion, uh, which will not be taken away from her. So Mary is the one that we may view as being lazy, right? Like she's not doing anything right now. She's just sitting around, hanging out. Um, but, God, but Christ says, hey, God is saying, she has chosen a good portion. She has chosen what is right. But maybe we are Martha. You know, ever think about us, put us in Martha's shoes. I remember one time in college, I had a friend of mine, um, they had a flat tire. And I found out about it because another friend of mine was the one that went and fixed it. So I came back to campus like, oh, yeah, I fixed their tire. And I'm thinking, and immediately I felt like betrayed. I thought instantly that I should be the one, the first call that, that, that they would call, right? Like, I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm so close to you that you would call me. I'll be number one on the speed dial if you ever had a flat tire. So I just felt like, you know, I, I should, <laughs> what'd you say? You talk, say it out loud. <laughs> Don't we whisper it. It's like, it's like, like school, right? Pass the note. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so, uh, so I felt immediately like, hey, I should be the one to, uh, number one, to be called. But then I checked myself. I'm like, maybe, did I really want to help? Because they got the help they needed. But maybe I wanted to be needed, right? Like, I wanted to be the one that, dependable one, like, hey, that person's dependable. I can call him whenever I'm in trouble, whenever I'm in doubt. He'll be right there. He got my back. Um, so maybe I'm, I'm serving for others' approvals. Um, I'm serving for even just for myself, you know? And it's very selfish of me to want to be the one to, to help in every situation. Um, I realize it's, it's selfish. I want it to matter. I want it to feel important more than even wanted to help. Um, so a lot of times we see that, right? We see that um, in situations, you want to be the one to be called upon and want to be the one to be known as the dependable person more, more than even wanting to get the job done. Like, you can get the job done. Um, there can be better ways to get the job done. There could be more efficient things, but you want to be the one to be recognized and to be needed and because you want people to depend on you. So here we see in, in, in Martha, um, she had a similar, she had a similar um, mindset. Uh, so she's running around, and in, in, in her complaint, we realize something about Marcia. She wanted to be needed, but she should have realized that the Lord deserves her reverence more than he needed her service. Uh, but Mary realized this. Mary realized that the point of everything is to know the Lord. 
So Mary realized that, hey, I can put my service down. I can put my, um, I can put my work down. I can rest. I can actually sit back and rest because the point of life, the point of our Christianity is to know the Lord. So do we, do we find ourselves neglecting to read the word, neglecting the prayer because there are things to be done? You know, I think that's, that's like one thing I struggle with all the time. It's like so easy for me to, to you know, study. It's so easy for me to read the word. Um, it's easy for me to, to, to get things done, right? But to actually sit back and spend time in prayer, it's like, but I'm praying. I'm like, hey, God, I got this to do. I got that to do. There's stuff to do. I could be doing this. I could be doing that. Um, but, but Mary realized this, right? Mary realized that, hey, it's more important for me at this time to sit back and learn from God. Um, do we think, but Martha thought that Christ needed her service. Do we think that Christ needs our service? Do we think that Christ, without, even in KLM, like if we ever stop going to the stores, if we ever stop setting up books, if we ever stop rehearsing for praise and worship, do you think that God's will for KLM will be stopped? Like, you know, like, do you ever think of like, hey, I'm keeping this church afloat with my, with my work. I'm keeping this, everything going by doing what I'm doing. But in actuality, Christ is, God's going to get his will done regardless of you and regardless of your service, regardless of what you are, your, 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 your works, God is going to be able to accomplish his will and purpose regardless. Um, and it's, but so it's so much easier to spend our time and our efforts on service than it is to spend it on actually worship and intimate time with God. Um, I had a friend of mine one time, he, it took up a week to pray and fast. It took up a week of work, and he was working an hourly job. And I'm like, even, even I'm thinking, like, that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> and that's kind of ludicrous. But it's kind of like, it kind of speaks to my nature that I would think that it was more, like, you need to pay more than you need to spend time with God, right? Like, that's, that would be our societal mindset. Like, yo, get that money, pray after you get off, off work. But he realized at that point, and I'm not telling you to do this. You can do it if you want to. But he realized that at that point in his life that he needed to spend time with God more than he needed even to work, right? And to realize and to trust in God that God would provide for him and his family and God would make a way um, even when he, um, he took off of work. I mean, he, he still had a job. It's not like he got fired. But, um, you know, that's something powerful that we can, that, you know, maybe we should implement more in our Christian walk. It's just take a time off from life um, and from service and from everything just to spend time and learn and to, to, be, and to worship God. Amen? We can easily have a wrong view of our service. Um, we, can either, we can easily think that everything is dependent on us. But Christ here, if we jump back to the original, the original scripture, is that Christ came to give us rest. Um, so we can easily have a wrong view of our service, whether we have a wrong view of God, whether we have a wrong view of others, or whether we have a wrong view of ourselves. We need to understand that we serve out of love and we serve out of worship to God. Um, we shouldn't serve to earn favor with God, to look good to one another, or to prove something to ourselves. Um, even, if it, even if it comes to the point that maybe we should think about giving up um, a certain area of service in our lives. 
if that if if we feel if we um if a certain area of service is actually could be actual detriment to you, right? Like you can be giving so much in one area, but you're neglecting at God, right? We can be so caught up in in service, but we're neglecting God. We can still be so caught up in serving, but we're actually trying to earn favor with God. And we're trying to earn favor with others, and we're trying to look good. Um, so this is the treasure of Christianity. Not that we get to be good, not that we get to heaven, not that we get blessing or joy or hope or peace. The treasure of Christianity is that we get God. Um, we get to be with God as he works. We get to be a part of how God works. We get God. So it's like, I remember as a, as a child, um, even on Take Your Kids to Work, I used to be Take Your Daughters, but I used to go anyway. Um, <laughs> remember, we used to be Take Your Daughters. Now I Take Your Kids. I'll take everybody. Um, <laughs> so it's like, I remember being longing to get to go to work with my dad. He didn't really, he, at that time, he was, he was doing, um, he wasn't doing much at that time, but it was a joy just to go to work, ride around in a little car, and, and do certain things with him. Not because I didn't get paid from it. I didn't get to, I got paid at McDonald's. But um, I, didn't get, I didn't get, like, any reward from it, but it was just a joy just to be with my father um, and co-labor with him. Same thing that, that's how we should look at our Christian service, that we are not serving for any other reason but out of love for God, and we get to co-labor with him, we get to spend time with him, even in setting up the equipment, it's spending time with God, it's spending time with our brothers and sisters, um, and to, to co-labor with God at his work that he's doing. That's the main point of our service, is that we get to serve God as he serves us. You know, Christ came to to serve, not to be a serve, not to be served, right? So we get, to, he serves us, he's, by, the epitome of his serving us was on the cross. He serves us by dying on the cross for our sins. So not only are we serving, but we are, we are being served at the same time. Um, so we should take joy in that we're able to, to serve Christ as he serves us. Um, true service of Jesus brings fulfillment satisfaction, and the sense that we are being the people God created us us to be. Um, We have talents, we have gifts, and we all are given those talents and gifts for a reason. So we should take joy in that we are able to give that to the local church, to the church as a whole, and be fulfilled, be satisfied, and that we know that we are being who who God created us to be, created us to be. so that's how, we, um, that's how we should serve. Christ promises, us to, promises to give us rest. We, en- we will enjoy this rest fully on the day when he comes back, but we can begin to enjoy it now. The, circum- the circumstances of life can be extremely hard, but he gives rest in them. Rest from needing to achieve. Rest from needing to succeed, to be noticed, to be the best. Not rest from serving, rest in joyful serving. Amen? Um, there's a little diagram that he has in the book that I took out. Um, <clears throat> so this is the three ways of us, how we, um, the wrong view of, of serving. So we have a wrong view towards God. So we're trying to serve to be good enough for him, to get something from him, to pay him back. I think that's even the pay him back is, is very powerful. It's like 
Yeah, you ever ever have Christmas time when your parents give you gifts? Imagine um, you're getting a gift and then you go into the kitchen and try to wash dishes and your parents ask you, hey, what are you doing? It's like, I'm trying to pay you back. You know, that should be a slap into your, slapping your parents' face that, that you have to, that they have to, that you have to earn their gifts, right? Like your parents does not, even for Ian, like I'm not going to buy him gifts because he was good. I'm buying it because he's out of my love for him and out of appreciation that he's my son um, you know, and so forth, amen? So we have a wrong view of God, and those are the three things. Wrong view of others to impress others, to belong, and a wrong view of ourselves that we think that Jesus needs me and I don't need Jesus. Where you don't need Jesus where you can, we can have, we can have church without, without Christ, right? We can serve, we can do everything, and not actually, in Christ, not be involved because you got it. And you got it going. So these are the wrong ways that we should be our service. Um, So, I even remember as a child um, putting up lights and in Christmas Eve is it's tradition and I don't know I don't know if it's a Trinidadian tradition or just I don't I don't know or just our family, but for some reason Christmas Eve is where we, we used to put up lights. <laughs> Strange I know. So Christmas Eve we used to put up lights, we paint the house, we do renovations to like three four o'clock in the morning on Christmas on Christmas morning. Um, that was tradition in our house for some reason. Um, so I remember Christmas Eve, that was tradition. It started, it started Christmas Eve morning through the night. We cleaned the house. We painted. We did everything that we needed to do for the entire year. Um, and I remember, like, it was tedious, but it was time to spend with my family, time to spend with my parents. And, like, even now, I'm like, hey, I want to continue that tradition for some reason. And it's, it's strange, but I'm like, yeah, I want to continue that tradition. Um, so that's how our Christian service, just to be able to spend time with our family, our, um, our God. Um, this is the way our Christian service to look, out of joy. Um, this is where we experience the easy burden of Christ, and we experience rest, and knowing that we do not have to prove ourselves or prove anything in our service. Amen? Um, and, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> so we can end it there. Um, continue. Let's pray before we finish. Uh, Father, we just thank you um, for this time together. We honor you for your presence uh, and just for being here among us, Lord. We thank you that our view of our service will be changed today, Lord, and that we would serve out of love and out of appreciation and out of our affection for you. Um, just uh, convict us when we are are straying in our, in our service and when we are serving for the wrong reasons, Lord. Um, actually, that you just strengthen us as a church and as believers to serve unto you um, and to uh, serve unto others, Lord. I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.